I honestly believe that America is a good, decent human beings with a lot of love and compassion, but due to the previous administration, we have found ourselves dealing with all sorts of issues such as <coughs> excuse me, the misinformation and disinformation concerning COVID. There is nothing in the COVID vaccines that will harm you. You can fact check this by going on the CDC official website and searching it out for yourself. There is nothing in there that can cause deformities. There is nothing in there that can com- cause you harm. When you receive the COVID-19 vaccination, it is protecting you. Your survival rate is way up there. I think uh, 90% the drug works, and yes, there are um, side effects uh, from the um, shots, but they go away. Um, I think that there's only 60 plus percentage in America, that's six zero plus in America, that have received their booster shots as well as being fully vaccinated. Um, the other night, I did a, te- a uh, teaching on testimonials that will glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. I am a pastor, and I apologize. My name is uh, Pastor Michael Wasserman, and I'm from Second Chance Ministry Church. Um, I am a pastor, and I had two churches in Massachusetts and a radio program as well as a TV program uh, that was held twice a week. Um, I would record some of the stuff and what's called put it in the can so that they can then hear it. I want you to know that Jesus is still in control. And that the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and repent of their wicked ways, I will then hear, hear their prayer and I will heal their land. Now, he's not talking to the secular. In other words, he's not talking to people who are unbelievers. He's talking to people like you and I who believe in Jesus. He says, if my people, my people, who are his people? The ones that, be- that believe in the Lord Jesus. Now, I realize that you're going to hear a lot of potential flack from Jewish brethren that may say, no, he was talking there about Israel and the nation. Well, they are correct on that as well. But you have to understand that the Word of God is living and always unfolding, giving greater and greater revelation or understanding upon the Scriptures as you pray and ask God to guide you and lead you in all things and to open up your heart and to anoint you to read His Word which is the Bible, and rightly divide the word of truth so that you know how to live. Now, once you do that and apply it to your own life, you are now the believer that God is talking about. So it's up to you and I to repent so that the Omicron and all these other things can go, that the unvaccinated people would get their vaccinations. And those who have been declared by a legitimate doctor that they should not receive it for whatever the doctor's reason is, so long as he or she is a real, true doctor and professional, not some kind of crackpot like how Trump had with that guy that, you know, got him out of 
the war saying that he um, had spur heels, which we found out later was a lie. That's why I say a legitimate doctor, male or female. Then you have what you have to then rely on is herd immunity. So if everybody in your group has been fully vaccinated and booster shot, and you're with them and they don't have any kind of breakthrough cases, you're very well protected because of them. So you don't have to worry about that. However, I want you to also know, going back to God, that you are the apple of his eye, that he cares about you. The Bible says in Philippians to cast all your anxieties and all of your burdens onto him because he's a God that cares for you. You know, I shared a testimony about the blind man, uh, first time anywhere in the uh, New Testament, as well as in the Old, that anyone had received sight after being blind. But Jesus, seeing the blind man, um, felt compassion and healed him. He spat on the ground, made clay, and, and spat on the eyes, etc., to make it. And he asked him, how, you know, to open his eyes and what do you see? And then eventually he had to do it again. And he prayed over him and the, the, he received sight. And then we know that that Jewish brother went around and, and was telling everybody, you know, what had happened. And people were thinking at that time to himself that, well, is this not the beggar? that used to sit and give alms, and was he not blind? How then does he now see? Now, I am in my house, but I don't have my Bible in front of me. But I do remember the scriptures, at least most of them. But there's no substitute for actually praying and reading the living word of God, the Bible. I use the New American Standard Bible. There's nothing wrong with the King James Version or the NIV. There's nothing wrong with those Bibles. I happen to like the New American Standard Bible because I was teased on it, so to speak. Uh, it's more modern-day English with pretty accurate Kone Greek translations because you know that the Kone Greek is what the New Testament was written in predominantly and a couple of Aramaic scriptures. And the Old Covenant, as you know, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So the translation of the words are very, very close, sometimes right on accurate, meaning the exact meaning. If you get a concordance, you can look up scriptures. You have a concordance in the back of your Bibles as well. Uh, ask your pastor or somebody that you know that's a Christian and understands it, how to look things up, the keywords, etc. And they'll explain it to you. But in any case, I want to go back to <coughs> excuse me, the blind man. After he was put up, after he was alone, you know, the other Pharisees and the scribes and, and the Sadducees had all come to him and asked, how did you receive your sight? And he would tell them, the man about Jesus and what he did, and they still wouldn't believe. And he said, well, here's an amazing thing. We know that God does not hear a sinner, but a righteous man, he will hear. For no one can do these things unless God has ordained it. And you know what? That's exactly what God did. He, he healed him. And the greatest testimony the man said was, in the end, all I know is I was born blind, but now I see. So when you receive your healing, the first thing you need to do is be grateful to God 
and thank him through the Lord Jesus Christ for everything that he has ever done for you. Now, we know that Jesus did a universal salvation by dying on Calvary's cross, literally, and then literally being raised up on the third day. We know that his back was whipped open 39 times for our healing, for by his stripes we are healed. We know that the crown of thorns was placed in his head because we know that he is the king of kings and the Roman Empire and the Romans were mocking him by putting that uh, crown of thorns on him that dug straight into his head and through his forehead and caused immense amount of pain that you and I were supposed to suffer and endure because of our sin. Sin, as you know, separates from God and you know, I tell people, go back to uh, the book of Genesis and read about it. Um, you'll see that after the fall of man, after the devil came and took from the tree of knowledge and, you know, had a conversation with Eve and Eve turned around and said something to Adam and they both ate and they realized they were naked. So they hid themselves and made fig leaves. Prior to that, they had no idea that they were naked. It was called the Shekinah glory in Hebrew that was covering them and blinding their eyes from understanding that they were naked. But once they understood it, because God said, from any tree of the field you may eat freely, but in the tree that's in the middle of the garden, you may not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. And what was the devil's response to Eve when Eve quoted the scripture? The devil said, for surely God knows, we know the devil, the Satan, is a liar. So, of course, he's lying to her and she's unaware of it. And she got tempted and believed him, even though Adam, her husband, would have told her not to touch the, the fruit, okay? Because he would leave that as, as his responsibility, because that's who God first talked to, man as the head of the home, okay? Woman is by his side as a helpmate, loving each other gently, Okay, so the devil says, for in the day that you eat of it, God knows that you will not die, that you will surely not die, or least you die. He changed the word, that's right, he changed the word, least you die, to something that he shouldn't have said, because God didn't say that. God said, in the day that you eat of it, you surely will die, and there was a sin there was a spiritual separation. God came down in the cool of the day, calling out to Adam, Adam, where are you? Now, God knows where Adam is. It was a rhetorical question. He was trying to get Adam to understand that even though they ran and hid themselves and made fig leaves, they realized they were naked. And God said to Adam, did you eat from the tree which in the middle of the garden, which I commanded you not to eat? For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And then, of course, we know that Adam blamed Eve, and Eve blamed the serpent, and the three different judgments occurred right then and there. The devil was cursed, and on his belly shall he be on the ground all the days of his life. And, of course, with Eve, childbearing will be, will be painful. And with Adam, uh, after he drove them both out of the Garden of Eden and put a, and a cherubim was there, the angels, there was a great sword that turned in every direction to make sure that once Adam and Eve were out of that garden, that's how separated they were because we know that everything originally was provided for Adam and Eve. They didn't have to do anything but worship God. Now, why would God allow them to sin? Why would he create them? Because in order to get 
full glory, he had to be able to manifest his power. Remember how he hardened the heart of Pharaoh and softened it and hardened it, etc.? It was so that God could perform the ten different miracles so that you and I as human beings could see the manifestation and power and glory of God through our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we also know that, so I just wanted you to see that sin separates, and so they're pushed out of the garden. And so now they have to live a different lifestyle. Adam had already named all the animals on the ground and in the air, okay? He had a beautiful, perfect mind, as did Eve, until the fall. We've fallen quite a bit. We've regressed in our minds. But God can still heal our minds. And then we see all the stuff that was prophesied about him and glorified him in, all the way carried in through the New Testament. <coughs> excuse me. And as I said before, <coughs> excuse me, the Jesus would have had to be living under the Old Covenant. So while we read the New Testament and see what the apostles and, the, and Jesus and the religious order of the Jewish brethren did, um, we, we can see it plainly about the cross, okay? And that he was supposed to die for our sins because of love. Now we know God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So if going back even before that, if you remember Abraham, he was told by God to sacrifice his son Isaac, okay? If you go back into the book of Genesis and read it. So we also know the scripture says that obedience is better than sacrifice. So you have to be obedient to God. So here's Abraham. They go on this sojourn together, he and his son Isaac. And Isaac at one point, according to scripture, said to Abraham, his father, where is the lamb, or, or something to that effect? And Abraham said, God will provide. And sure enough, off in the distance, in a thicket, was a ram that was caught for the sacrifice. But God didn't reveal that to him right away. He first had him bound up, his son, and put him on a, in a, a the sacrifice, and once Abraham raised his knife to go and slaughter his son, God said, Abraham, put down thy knife and harm not thy son, for now I know that you love me. Now, how? why would God say that? It was for our sake. The Bible says in the New Testament that the Old Testament was left for our instruction and for our example. So when you look at Abraham and his arm is up and God stopped him at the last second, it was because of his obedience that God said, now I know you love me. Because he was going to carry through, but that was actually a fulfillment and prophecy about what Jesus was going to do. Because if the father was going to require Abraham to sacrifice his only begotten son, how much more was he going to do it for mankind using his only begotten son, who was born of a virgin woman by the name of Miriam and entered into her by the Holy Spirit? There was no sexual relationship between the Son of Man, the Son of God, 
and Mary, or in Hebrew, Miriam. The fact is, is that God is still God and always will be God. So, we know that Joseph was betrothed to Mary. The word betrothed, when you look at the history in Israel, when you were betrothed, you were actually considered married, but it wasn't consummated until the rabbi prayed over them for the actual ceremony. That's when it becomes sanctified in the eyes of God. The two shall become one flesh, meaning you're a team. You function as a team, no longer individual. And you have to learn how to unify your relationship between your husband and your your wife so that you will know how to minister to your children should you have any. Because the Bible says, love thy neighbor as yourself and your closest neighbor is your spouse and if you have children, your children. And your children, if you're a child, your parents, etc., Those are your innermost, closest neighbors. Do you love yourself? Do you respect yourself? If you don't, then how could you possibly love someone else if you can't love yourself and get those things correct? I would suggest if that's the case, you should repent, means to turn, and ask God to come into your life And change your heart. Remove a stony heart and replace it with a heart of flesh. One that's teachable. One that yields. One that walks in humility. One that walks in integrity and valor in accordance to God in his eyes. It doesn't matter what the secular people think. It matters only what God thinks. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Godhead, not the Trinity. The word Trinity, as I shared in the teaching before, means three, like three gods. I know the Catholic Church uses the word Holy Trinity. I use the word Holy Godhead. Because in the Godhead is just one. We are created as a man or a woman, but we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Think of God like this. Think of the chemical ingredient for water, H2O is water. Yet its appearance can come as a liquid form, like in water, or in a frozen state, like an ice cube. But the ingredient for both of them is still H2O. In the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. That's the Kone Greek word for word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. Then go back to Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning was the, in the beginning, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering over the water. So there's the Holy Spirit. Later on in Genesis 2 or 3, God says, quote, Let us, that's a capital U in the English, let us make man in our image, plurality, Adonai Elohim, Adonai means God, Elohim would be the plural for God, even though there's only one God, just like a human being, even if you're a man, you have your masculine side, and you actually have a feminine side, because you have to know how to be gentle, God the Father has a gentle side too, a feminine side, in that he created women, 
So he understands the nature. The Bible also says that Jesus was tempted in all things, yet without sin. So that tells all of us that temptation in and of itself is not sin. But if you give into that temptation, it now becomes sin because you violated something that was contrary to Scripture, not something that's contrary to what mankind may say you should or shouldn't do. Sin is only that which violates the written word of God. And the reason why I say that Jesus was under the Old Testament is because he still had to, he still had to uh, fulfill the new. The lawgiver became the law keeper. We couldn't keep the Ten Commandments. They proved how holy God is and how far mankind has fallen. For my brethren, if you stumble in one of them, you've stumbled in all of them. If you committed the sin of, of stealing, you've committed also the sin of anger. The Bible says that the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. The only reason why Abraham was reckoned righteousness was because of his faith, right? Had nothing to do with how he felt. Our emotions are sporadic. When you are born, you don't even know what your name is. You are told your name by your parents or, or legal guardian. And they don't tell you your name or you don't understand your name until your brain starts to develop to a certain point, and then you understand what your name is. Now, you can't feel your name, but you do know your name. All throughout your life, your, your uh, emotions, including mine, have been sporadic. Even in the deepest, darkest hour, I still knew what my name is, and even in my most joyous occasions I knew what my name is. So faith is based on faith and not how we feel because feelings are too erratical even though we are emotionally created. So going back to the righteousness of God, it's when you believe in him and when you confess that Jesus is Lord that you are saved. For the Bible says, for it's with the heart man believes resulting in salvation. And it's with, I'm sorry, it's with the mouth he confesses resulting in, in salvation. Okay? So you have to believe what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. And when he added the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I've shared this in other teachings. What do you mean they don't know what they're doing? Didn't they know the Roman soldier pierced his side? Didn't they know didn't they know that Pontius Pilate condemned him to death, even though he went out to the people and said, uh, my hands are clean of this, and he tried to wash his hands? He turned them over for death. He's just as guilty. He had the authority to release them. Remember that? So God is a forgiving God. We have, we, we, you know, didn't they know that they were punching him in the face and spitting on him? No, they didn't. That's why Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Excuse me. Yes, they did know that they were beating him and mocking him and putting a crown of thorns on him and hanging aside king of the Jews. And actually, he is. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. But when, he, when the Romans were putting him up, even though the Pharisees and Sadducees are the ones to cry out, crucify, crucify, it was still the Romans that did it. And Jesus said, to his disciples, I have other 
sheep that you do not know about. He was talking about the Gentiles, that once he died on Calvary's cross and shed blood, not only was it for the Jew first, but also for the Gentile to receive salvation. So he's bringing the Israelites and the rest of the world, the secular, those who weren't born Jewish, to those who dare to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that is the second group of sheep that he's bringing in. But God gives a warning in, in there too about not getting so puffed up with pride because he said if he, he did it to, to make the Jewish people jealous. Okay, but he said it's to the Jew first, then the Gentile. He went and he ministered first to the Jewish brethren. And by the way, he didn't go around rebuking the Jewish brethren. He went around rebuking strongly the religious order of the day that were Jewish because they were supposed to know better and they were teaching the teachings of man over God or they were mixing God's word with secular wisdom, which will never work. We must remember that God is holy. We must remember that even Moses, when he was serving God, served God with a holy trepidation. That's a fear that brings life. It's not the other demonic fear that leads to death. Because perfect love casts out all fear. So when Jesus is hanging on the cross and he uttered those words, just to reiterate, um, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. It, it, ha- it served a multiple purpose. It released us from our sins right away because he was our propitiation, our substitute. There was a blood sacrifice on the altar of God, which is called the cross. The cross where he was hung on literally became God's altar for sin. That's why Jesus is also known as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But it's only applied if you believe. If you believe, you're saved. If you don't, you'll be condemned because of your doubt and your unbelief. So I would say that you should always stay in prayer. I would say because prayer is communication with the living God. How would you like to have a family member be in your home and you never talk to him or her? You're not even in a relationship. Same thing with God. If you don't pray to God, God says when you go into your inner rooms and you have closed the door and you pray to your father who sees in secret, he will openly repay you. Whenever two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Jesus also said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he's making you promises and bearing witness with what he says. And the greatest witness was when Jesus got baptized by John the Baptist that I shared yesterday. Because once he got immersed and then came up, the clouds, the sky opened up. And the and it, it was like lightning was on him. And the dove was, like a dove was descending on him, was the Holy Spirit. And then they heard a voice cry out, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You will never get a greater testimony than the Father speaking concerning himself through his Son, who gets glorified. Because everything goes back to Jesus, both in the Old Covenant and in the New. Under the New Covenant, we're commanded to love one another and to forgive our enemies. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Which means you as a human being have no business repaying any evil for evil. It's up to God to deliver. And God doesn't deliver evil, by the way. He will use the devil or Satan, the accuser of the brethren, like he did, like, for example, uh, the death angel was Satan. God was, because God doesn't do evil, but he does punish sin because he's a God of, of justice. Now, everybody wants to talk about God's love. And he is a loving God, but you have to understand he's a God of justice, too. He's a God of vengeance, too. But what do they do in the New Testament? All the Old Covenant, or rather the New Covenant saints, what did they pray? Father, forgive them of their sin. See, when God says to the apostles, whatever sins you, that you retain shall be retained, that to me just means when you, when you go into a city or a town or a village or whatever you want to call it, and they all absolutely refuse to hear you, and they mistreat you so wickedly, you wipe the dust off the bottoms of your sandals or shoes in a testament against them. That's retaining their sins. Not that you are retaining the sins literally upon yourself, because Jesus bore that. What you're doing is letting God know, hey, I'm following your command. I'm retaining this in the sense that I'm shaking the dust off of my feet because they've refused to repent. And so, and, and remember, the apostles went out in twos and threes. They were sent out by the church because God wanted them to do this, to preach the gospel like evangelists do. And he says, whoever does not receive you does not receive me. So if they're rejecting you who have Christ in you, it's not you they're rejecting. They rejected God himself, Jesus Christ. So don't ever think it's you. It's not. It's the spirit in you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Greater is Jesus Christ that lives in me in my heart than Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brethren that lives in the world. See, it's kind of like if you envision a fan, if you have the fan on, you, you know, that blade goes really, really fast, right? But if you go to the source of it, not the power button, but the actual source, which is the plug, and you unplug it while it's going, you've killed the electricity from it. But what it has to do, you still can't stick your finger in there because it'll chop your finger off. It's going too quick, Right? So you got to wait, and eventually the thing will spiral and spiral, and eventually it stops. Well, the devil has been defeated on Calvary's cross through Jesus Christ. He bruised them on the heel and one on the head, right? So that scripture is fulfilled. And we know that Jesus also said, I am going because the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, for I am the God of heaven and earth, and the devil is the God of this world. So Jesus makes the declaration that if you are secular, if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your personal Lord and Savior, then you're not saved. And so your sins are being judged because you refused to believe. So it's for your unbelief shall ye be con condemned unless you repent. But God does love you. But again, he's holy and he's just.
and vengeance does not belong to you or to me, but to God. Our business is to forgive. Easy to say, not always easy emotionally to deal with. But when you forgive, you're actually releasing yourself from getting bitterness manifested or festering up in your heart and in your mind. That's why repentance means to turn. You're going to turn the direction of the scripture and apply it. Ask God by his Holy Spirit to place it in you. And then once it's in your heart, you'll just naturally live it. Now remember people, for those of you who are mature Christians, you do not want to destroy him who Christ died for, for the sake of food. For some can only eat vegetables. Shall I now eat my meat? knowing it's going to cause my brother to stumble? May it never be. That's what the Apostle Paul shared in scriptures, right? So when you're with those individuals and you know they're not going to be able to handle it, that's going to make them stumble, keep quiet. Minister where they're at, not where you think they should be at. And that too sometimes can be easier said than done. Because we're human and we might miss the mark. When you miss the mark, you're sinning. That's all that means. You know, we do have some Christian terminology. Now, I was asked, do homosexuals go to heaven? No. In the Old Testament, in the book of Leviticus, the Bible says, and I think it's chapter 18, I'm not sure, but it's in Leviticus, thou shalt not lie with another man the way he would a woman, for whoever does so commits an abominable act worthy of death. New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks about it in Romans as well as in Corinthians quite a bit. Now, can a homosexual get saved, meaning delivered? Yes. The Corinthian church, most of that area, according to the colleges and the professors, they'll all tell you they were predominantly homosexuals. And so when God went sent the apostles over there, a lot of them, when you read the writing of the Apostle Paul to the, both the first and second epistles or letters to the Corinthian church, he tells them, he, he tells them outright that some were such of you, but you were forgiven, right? So that tells me right away that some of the people that were homosexual or lesbian actually repented. Now, it's not like this cancel culture that the secular world is doing. It's not like some of these cults out there trying to do certain things if you're a, a homosexual or lesbian. No, that's not from God. I believe in what's called the laying on of hands, which means you gently put your hand on the person's forehead and you pray over them in the name of Jesus. And it's in the name and the authority of Jesus as his servant to cast out devils. And then God will replenish the mind through the word. And you have to sit with the individual or individuals and share what scriptures to go over to renew their mind. So, I know a lot of people now will get upset with me because it came in the Obama-Biden administration when Biden at that time was vice president, who I voted for, by the way, both for Obama and Biden. Um, Biden is the one that came out and said, look, whoever you love, you love, and blah, 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 you know. And then Barack Obama turned around and caught the same vision, and it got passed. 
as much as I love my President Barack Obama and now President Joe Biden, I don't agree with the policy because it goes against scripture. I'm just as human as anybody else, but I'm telling you that whenever you or I think anything that's contrary to what the Word of God says, we are wrong. God's Word is right. We must now ask God to change our mind and to fill it with His Scripture. Because when you read the Bible, even when He rebukes some of the other people in a more gentle way than He did with the religious order, you're going to find that you can be forgiven. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If there's any man in Christ, he's now a new creation. Behold, new things have come. That means any kind of sin that you have ever committed, including adultery, including fornication, uh, including stealing, including murder, uh, you can be forgiven if it's genuine. You know, Saul of Tarshish was a murderer. He became, if you recall, on the road to Damascus, God met up with him. And, and eventually his name got changed to the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Yeah, some of you didn't know that. So if I say homosexuals and lesbians don't go to heaven if they are practicing it, that's true, because that's God's word both in the Old and New Testament. See, some of the... you got to understand, the Bible says that any other sin is outside the body, but he who sins against the body, uh, sexual sins against the body, sins against the entire body of Christ. That's why you will see pastors, when somebody's caught in adultery and or fornication or both, or even other gross sins, the pastor's going to make you, if you want to stay part of that assembly, stand before the congregation and confess that you had an adulterous affair because you brought a reproach to the body of Christ. That's the only reason why a pastor or somebody in the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, or an evangelist, will have you do that if you've already been saved. I'm not talking about you who are unsaved and, you're, and you've committed adultery, blah, 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 and you've never been part of the church. Don't worry about it. Your repentance right then and there, you are forgiven. You're now a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life in accordance to the book of Revelation. So you don't have to worry about that. I'm talking about people who belong to a godly, established ecclesia or church. And they've been walking with, the, with God now, say, for a few months or even a year or more. You now know better. Because you've been with Christ long enough to know, or at least you should have been taught, sexual sin is against the body of Christ himself. Versus any other sin is outside the body. Which means, you know, 1 John 1.9 says that when we confess our sins, he is true and faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. As far as, it also says, as far as the east is from the west, so I have removed your sins from you. Isn't that nice to know? So why you keep bringing up your own sins that have been forgiven you? God doesn't look at it anymore. Why are you? God loves you. He cares about you. If he didn't, he would never have sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you and be raised up on the third day for you and shed blood to justify the many that believe in him.
or would believe in him. Well, my brethren, I was only going to do a 15-minute um, talk. It ends up that I've done a 40-minute talk. So with that, I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, O Lord God. I thank you for eternal life in Christ Jesus, and I thank you even for this application where I can do a podcast and record it, and you can use it for however you want so that whenever anybody hears this, I pray, Father, you remove the blindness from their eyes and their ears and their heart. For your word declares, O God, that you desire none to perish, but that all should come to repentance. On that basis, Father, I pray, anoint thy word that has been spoken and recorded and let people hear and discern for themselves the way you want them to and grant them love and repentance and forgiveness and mercy over judgment. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, people, thank you so very much for whoever may be listening. Uh, I do do uh, what's called Twitter spaces, my handle is RU0. You'd have to use the at sign. And then it's A R E Y O U. And then the number zero all together. So it's RU0. You got to use the at time. And that will bring up my Twitter account. Now, I normally announce when I'm going to do a teaching. So if you'd like to join me um, and you know of others, uh, please feel free to give them an invite um, because I do do other Twitter spaces on this. I also hold uh, mental health um, uh, chats as well to check in to make sure you're all doing okay. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a pastor. Um, I do try to lead you to the professionals, uh, to an actual psychiatrist, psychologist, counselor, crisis uh, counselor, or social worker, um, but pastors, as you know, pastors and priests and ministers, we're all allowed to to uh, speak to you. And if anybody that's hearing me now, if you should be homicidal or suicidal, please call your local um, agency or the national, uh, the, the national suicide prevention hotline or the texting numbers in UK and the US and Canada um, and Ireland, I believe they have them. You can look them up. Perhaps you can Google and ask Google for those numbers, uh, and they'll give it to you and keep it in a safe place where they're easily accessible to you. But just remember, Jesus went through everything that you and I were supposed to receive. Jesus received the wrath of God on himself as your, as your substitute. So the punishment he took, he took for all of mankind. Repent and serve the Lord Jesus. For there is only one God and one Lord and one mediator between God and man, the Lord Jesus Christ, according to the book of Timothy. God bless you all. Bye-bye.